Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And uh, the verse that we're going to uh, look at will come up on the screen in a moment. Uh, If you want to reference it in terms of your Bible, however you do that, then it's Acts 13 and verse uh, 36. Um, the the um, the primary um, message um, this morning is, uh, or rather, regarding what Julie shared, is going to come through Christian uh, next week. I'm, I'm a little bit of an hors d'oeuvre to that, a precursor, a preparer of the way. Um, but I trust that uh, God will just minister. Just before we do that, I'd like to pray uh, because uh, Julie mentioned about the uh, cup finals that Arena FC are in. It's been my joy to be the chairman of that team for the last six years, and. Uh, uh, I don't forget the fact that when we first started off, we lost our first eight games and had a minus goal difference of 38. And over the last five seasons, we've won the league three times and been in six cup finals. And it's a great turnaround. But the reality is that one of our colleagues, Martin McBride, who plays for Derby City Church, and Martin would be what you would call in the veteran stage, late 30s, but a believer, uh, suffered a severe stroke uh, some uh, weeks ago and the reality is this uh, unless God intervenes um, he's a lot closer to eternity than any of us would like and uh, on the back of Julie's announcement this morning I'd just like to pray for Martin and I want you to join with me uh, that God would just bless him uh, he's got a young family his, uh, his colleagues are, are very upset as well and so let's just pray Father, you know all things and sometimes we just feel very hopeless in terms of uh, our own uh, limitations, but you are the almighty sovereign God. And so we pray for Martin this morning. We thank you that he has a faith in you and uh, you know uh, the bed that he lies in this morning, Lord, the doctors and nurses that are caring for him. And we ask that you would come in a supernatural, miraculous way and do what only you can do. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you. Acts 13 and verse 36. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. That's what happens when you die. Um, now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Sleep's a euphemism in the Bible for for death. Uh, It sort of softens the word a little bit. Uh, There's theologians around that sort of, you know, do you believe in soul sleep? I don't. I believe that when we're absent from this body, we're present with the Lord. But here's this verse from Acts 13. And the Apostle Paul is on his first missionary journey. He's in a town called Antioch Pisidium. And he's speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles. He went to the Jews first, which he often did. Uh, as a Jew, began to speak about Christ and then he opened up to minister to the, to the Gentiles. Read it, you'll be blessed. And he, begins to, he begins to use a character expression from the Old Testament. If you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus did similarly. He spoke about David, he spoke about Jonah, he spoke about Elijah, he spoke about Elisha and so on. Um, these people believed in the Old Testament. I understand that the Old Testament, parts of it, Uh, are not easy to read or easy to understand 
But the Bible is the Old and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is continually painting pictures that point us to Jesus. It's speaking about shadows and types that are fulfilled in him. But it's his story. It's an unfolding expression of God's redemptive purpose in the earth. If you've just become a Christian, I don't suggest that your devotionals this week are Leviticus. It might give you a bit of hard work. But the reality is we need to take time to read and Jesus, and here we've got the Apostle Paul confirming their faith in the Old Testament by quoting it, by using it, by speaking about it. And so he talks about David serving God's purpose in his generation. And uh, the undertitle for the Legacy 2020 this morning, my message to you is simply this, that uh, the question is, remembered for what? remembered for what? I'm not talking now about David. I'm not talking about Christian. I'm not talking about Julie. I'm seeking by God's grace in the next few minutes to apply it to you, to me. What will we be remembered for? Here we are over 2,000 years after the Bible, the New Testament was written, still referencing a man that was remembered and noted for serving God's purpose in his generation. We are all shaped for purpose the enemy wants to distort that shaping he wants to twist it he wants to remove it from us but you are not on this world just to sort of idly pass by by, time by you are shaped for purpose it may be that you're in uh, the medical profession it may be that you're in sales it may be that you're a school teacher it may be that you're on the building side it may be that you're doing the school run tomorrow and you think uh, well what's that got to do with my faith it's got everything to do with it because God has uniquely shaped and purposed you to make a difference in your world there's only two percent of the Christian population that are full-time in Christian ministry and so there's a lot of room for the 98 percent also to find their purpose in God If you go to the Old Testament books of Samuel and Chronicles, you'll read something of the life of David's journey. A great journey, not without flaw or setback, but some tremendous enduring learning principles. I want just to bullet point some to you before we come back to our text. And so we find that in David's life, the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. Because God says, I don't look on the outward appearance, I look on the heart because that's the real you we learn there that anointing for service is so important that word anointing is sometimes difficult to explain but really it's the kiss of heaven on life's in the earth and uh, everything we do needs oil on it if you try and run your car without ever topping it up with oil ignoring the sign never changing your oil eventually it's going to grind to a halt similarly in our lives we need the oil of the spirit number three David was a giant killer. The giants that face your life are not there to intimidate you and tower over you and determine you. They're there to be slain. 
They're there to be flattened. They're there to be killed. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He had a great attitude to his enemies, fourthly. He had a wonderful dependence upon the Lord. He knew what it was to deal with adversity. At Ziglag in 1 Samuel 30, an incident took place, which clearly I don't have time to open up this morning. But such was the trauma of the situation that it says that David wept until he had strength No strength to be able to weep anymore. Anybody ever gone through an experience like that? You've got nothing left. You're completely debunked. But he dealt with it. He overcome it. The Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. We learn about the... Uh, the fact that he loved the presence of God. The first thing he did when he became king was to restore the ark to its prominent place at the seat of worship in the nation. And we need the presence of God. We understand that he that he lived in the power of a restored soul, that he submitted to God's will and that he left a legacy for other people to come on. Great, great principles. Little wonder that the Apostle Paul is here referencing his life. And you may say to me, well, Phil, I I couldn't be King David. I I don't think that my call is as grand as his. But you are called to exactly the same principle as him. And that is that in your generation, you are there to serve the purpose of God. Now, some of you may have already seen this booklet And Christian has engaged with some people around the life of Arena Church with regard to the 2020 vision. More of that from him in this church next week. Simply to say that the 2020 vision is a vision casting offering call to give. To give. And really this morning I just want to encourage us to do exactly that. And we'll best give when we see our lives from an eternal perspective and a spiritual dimension, <clears throat> one of the one of the great banes of the or, uh, one of the great challenges of the Christian life is that we are not defined simply by the natural. You say, "Well, of course we aren't," but many are. Many are simply they don't have an eternal perspective. They don't see beyond the natural. But God has called us, friends, to serve our generation, as you heard from Pastor David, so that we might pass on to the next generation. If you came to my office downstairs, you'd see a picture. It's a few years old now. It's uh, Miriam before she returned back from Australia when she came over for Alison's wedding. And, uh, and my dad, my late dad, my dad's passed away now. A great guy, a, a very selfless man. Uh, him and mum raised seven kids and uh, he never had a car, he never had a driving license, he never had a passport, he never went on a plane. When they had the chance to go to Australia when they retired, he says, he says to me, I'm you go and I'll look after the dog. And he did. And, uh, and, so, and so, you know, but the reality is, friends, he passed something on. And so there's three generations. There's my dad, there's me, and there's Miriam. And underneath on the photograph, uh, there's the quote from Psalm 145 and verse 4 in the message where it says, generation after generation, stand in awe of your works. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. And here we are, friends, serving our generation that we might pass on to succeeding generations. You see, if you see your Christian life from a narrow perspective, it's all about you. 
But if you see it with a spiritual dimension, you see that you are here to also pass on to others that are coming when you're not here. In other words, the Christian witness in these towns that we represent and many other places that we've got on our heart is perpetuated because people serve God's purpose in their generation. Now, I want to try and tease that out in the second part of the message this morning and come back to our text. And I'm going to try and use it by using an illustration. Now, I still love a newspaper. It's my grandma's fault. Anybody here still have a daily paper? Oh, one or two. Thank goodness. <clears throat> when, I was, uh, when I was younger, uh, every Thursday night, I used to go to my grandma's 299 Broxter Lane, NG85NE. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and uh, don't, don't Google it and all gather around, the, don't gather around the house. But every Thursday night I used to go from school and uh, it was the night when my granddad, who was the catering manager at an engineering company, used to bring home a bags full of sweets. It's where I got my love for Kit Kats from and all those things. Uh, but my grandma loved the paper. She used to have, I can't remember what the daily was, but she also had, can anyone remember the weekly news? Yeah, and the way that she did it was that when she read a page, it went there. And when she read a page, yeah. so when I got in, the paper was all over the room. And then I'd gather it in. Anyway, I've always loved a paper. And I know you, people are on phones now and say, what do you want one of those for? But there's something about it being in your hand, you know. And uh, anyway, on a Saturday, some of you that may not get a paper may get a paper on a Saturday because often you, you're wanting to perhaps get the TV supplement. I suggest that you don't spend all your time watching Jeremy Kyle and all of those people because it's not going to do you a lot of good. The sad thing is that some of those situations are real and not made up. Really is scary. But um, I won't tell you what the paper is that I use because you might think that that paper defines my politics and it doesn't. Um, but simply to say that in this particular paper, on the back page is what they call the definite article. And so they'll get somebody that we would call famous and they ask them numbers of questions. And sometimes you find yourself putting yourself in the, in the place of the question. So, for instance, what's your prized possession? Prized possession. And uh, somebody said, oh, it's a, a bracelet. I mean, grandma, you know, whatever. Uh, what's your biggest regret? My biggest regret is that I went to school thinking that school was about uh, playing football and not learning. And, uh, and I've had a lot of catching up to do since I left, you know. Um, <clears throat> What temptation could you resist? It's normally donuts or chocolate or something. Uh, what's your favourite book? What film would you watch again and again? I'm notoriously uh, known for falling asleep when films are on. I mean, we've got some film buffs around the room this morning. I'm not one of them. When we went to Birmingham, Alabama that year ago, I looked across the airplane. Everybody had a film on except me, you know. And... Uh, uh, we went to watch Mamma Mia once just after Alison had got married, uh, Sharon, Miriam and me, and notoriously I fell asleep 10 minutes in and, <laughs> and woke up just as it finished. <clears throat> so I'm not very good on films. What's the misapprehension about your life? And so you'll get people saying, people think I'm arrogant and I'm not. Harry Redknapp was in this once, the, the, the now veteran football manager. He says, everybody, the misapprehension I live with is everybody thinks I'm a jack the lad. He says, all I want to be is a good granddad for my grandkids. See? And, uh, and then uh, it, it moves on. How would you spend 24 hours? What's your, then you find the spirituality of people. What's your funeral arrangements? It's amazing how many people are more interested in the wake than the service. 
Um, uh, leave me on top, not bothered, you know, and then you'll get somebody that's got a faith, you know. So it was, and the final question is, what do you want to be remembered for? Remembered for what? So here's a few of the people, Jessica Ennisil, uh, a now retired athlete, but an Olympic and world uh, champion athlete, uh, athlete for Great Britain. She says, I want to be, interestingly, when people ask what they want to be remembered for, nobody wants to be remembered for the size of the bank balance. Nobody wants to remember because of the fact they're famous. All the things that we think people want, they don't want. Because the things that really matter are the things that are simple, the things that drive us around and define us for what we really are. Jesus confirmed that. He says, because your life doesn't consist of the abundance of things that you possess. And these people prove it. So Jessica Ennis Hill says, I want to be known as a remember for being a kind person that was pretty good at running, jumping and throwing. And she was. Musician Jules Holland says, I want to be remembered for living to 257 and always playing the boogie woogie. <laughs> Michelin star chef Michelle Rowe says, I want to be remembered as a teacher and mentor. Singer Neil Sedaka said, I want to be remembered as making a good contribution to music and giving people joy. And I just brought one of the papers. This is Gerald Scarf, who's a brilliant drawer and caricaturist. And he says, I want to be remembered for being an artist. That'll do. You see, it all drives down to just the simple expressions of life. Remembered for what so let me take you back to the text that when David had served God's purpose in his generation he fell asleep and here's three things just to think about number one it's personally applicable put your name there not David but Phil Andy Sharon Chris Elliot put your name there and let God define you by his hand upon you you see identity and security often bedevil people's journey there are people last night that have drank too much been in places that they shouldn't have been done things that they shouldn't have done said things that they wish they'd not said and often it's by trying to find themselves. Have you heard that phrase? I'm trying to find myself. You'll only find yourself when your life is in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you've come this morning and never began the journey of faith and trying to find yourself, God is seeking to find you because when he finds you, you will find yourself. <clears throat> there is nobody like you. Somebody says, there's nobody like you, so take care of it. You are uniquely you. You are shaped for purpose. There is nobody else that can be you. No one else can give like you. No one else has your story. And the scope of this embrace of the call to serve God's purpose is huge. It's not defined by age or background or nationality it is something that comes to all of us recently we've remembered the greatest 20th century evangelist that served the body of Christ Dr Billy Graham died at 99 years of age and I was so pleased that even what we would call the secular media respectfully honoured a life well lived and just recently we've only got one uh, channel that takes us to God on the telly 
Uh, I know some of you got more than that. And um, we just recently put on an old Billy Graham uh, gospel message. It was a, a, a meeting. It was about 40 years old. I think it was in Houston, Texas. And boy, this guy used to preach up a storm. I mean, he was fiery, you know. Um, he, he sort of really just ministered the gospel. And uh, at the end, we watched it through. And of course, people used to say, well, he was a bit contrived. Um, but the choir would begin to sing that hold him just as I am without one plea. But that your blood was shed for me. And as you bid me come to the old Lamb of God, I come. And he said, I, I want you to get out your seats and I want you to come forward. Interestingly, when he came to England first in 1954, then as a, a, a young man, um, we, we might think that, uh, that our nation sometimes pushes against the faith even today. But there was a parliamentary debate trying to stop him coming. And... Um, <clears throat> And anyway, he he ministered for several nights in the Haringey Arena. And then 12 years later, uh, in 1966, he did another mission in Earl's Court. That was the time when Sir Cliff Richard first confessed his faith. And of course, for other reasons, he's been in the uh, eye of publicity again this week. Um, And uh, the the cynical journalist says, yeah, it's all right, all this just as I am and playing on people's emotions. Um, interestingly, in Harringay, on a number of occasions, they didn't have the choir singing. He says, stony silence, but if God's spoken to you, come forward. But in his book, Just As I Am, the autobiography, in 1966, 12 years after his first mission, there were over 50 Anglican priests on the platform with him that had given their life to Jesus in 1954 that had a call to God from the ministry that had given up the secular jobs and were serving Jesus Christ you see the gospel words we can always look at the ones that don't follow through but tens of thousands across the earth did the point I'm making friends is that whenever God calls people in a crowd he's always always dealing with the one He's dealing with the individual in the crowd called arena this morning. God is vitally interested in you. And this verse is to be personally applied. And then it's progressively revealed. Christian, as lead pastor of this church, has been involved in the leadership of this church with Eric Hobson, the late Eric Hobson for a number of years. And then in 2007, uh, I came to join him. And of course, the team and the eldership and the leadership team has developed out of that incredible stories in terms of community and all the things that have taken place. And we give God thanks for all of that. But 18 years that Christian has been in some expression of leadership in the church, which brings us to where we are now. Imagine after 18 minutes, he says, I'm going to do a 2020 vision offering. And everybody said, where's this bloke come from? You know, imagine after 18 days, imagine after 18 months. But here we are in the progressively revealed purposes of God that brings us after 18 years to this journey of a fresh opportunity to sow into the next season and phase of what we would call Arena Church. This guy's committed to the church. He's sown his life into the church. His family have given themselves to the church. It's something that's real. It's something that works out of a progressive revelation. And the suddenlies in the New Testament are often out of process. And the challenges that we face in the life of the church that come to us have come out of process. Let me take you back to 1 Samuel 16 where David as a teenage boy, probably about 14, 15, was in the fields. 
and Samuel the prophet went to, uh, under the direction of God, went to anoint the next king because Saul had failed. And Abinadab, Sharma, Eliab, big strapping sons of Jesse, God says, no, 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 no. And if you've lived in the prophetic sometimes and you feel you've heard God, you sometimes get tested on it. And it went something like that from Samuel. Samuel, is there anybody else in the fields? In other words, he thought he'd heard wrong from God. And so Jesse says, oh yeah, there's David. He's the youngest. In the original language of the Old Testament, it's not only speaking about the fact that he's the youngest, but he's the least. In other words, when you asked all the sons of, of, of mine to come forward to see who would be the next king, we didn't even think he were worthy of being called. And in the old authorised, it says that he came in ruddy of complexion, rosy red cheeks, been out in the fields looking after the sheep. God says, here he is. Here he is. And God loves to pluck people from seeming obscurity and to use them in amazing ways for his glory. Now then, it was 15 years from receiving the anointing to expressing the authority of kingship. Many lessons to be learned in that period. And I want to say that if you, you, you have a call to ministry, you will always have to navigate obscurity. If it was good enough for Jesus, if it was good enough for Moses, if it was good enough for Paul, if it was good enough for David, it's got to be good enough for you. Even if you are telling your seven followers on Twitter that you're going to take the world, you know. And it's the same in Arena Church, friends. God's unfolding purposes for this prevailing local church is that it comes out of a process. I want you to listen carefully to Christian last next week and as David encouraged you to have an open heart to what God is saying to you. Why do we push back on the purpose of God? Number one, fear. If you were with us on Tuesday night, Mark Alcroft, Pastor Mark from Biddulph, doing a great job, reminded us that doubt is not the opposite of fear, faith is. And I'm the sort of person in terms of my wiring, my journey, that often when I'm taking a step of faith, doubt is crouching at the door of my heart as well. This is the first time that I've preached at, at Arena Ilkeston since September 2016. Why? Because we've been helping a church 57.6 miles away. That's from our house to their house. 115 mile round trip, you know, and, uh, and uh, we've passed it on to Pastor Derek Chunder and, you know, uh, reintegrating ourselves back in the church. I'd love you to say, I'd love to say, this is how I live. Bring it on, come on. <laughs> but it don't work like that for me. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> but we stepped out in faith. And, uh, you know, we're 60-something, you know. We're not getting any younger. We're up at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning driving. So if doubt crouches at the door of your heart, it don't mean you've got faith. You just need to live in it. Just keep going. Press in. Don't let fear. Fear will put a lid on your faith. The second thing is that we can misunderstand, particularly in the area of giving. And the third thing is that simply we can push back. We can push back because we don't think we can give like somebody else is giving, so we won't give at all. But God needs your 
gift. It may be the widow's mite. It may be less than somebody else. But if you will give all that you can against what everybody else will do, we will have an amazing momentum. Personally applicable, progressively revealed. And as I close, perfectly timed. Perfectly timed. You see, David served his purpose, God's purpose in his generation. I've had people say to me, I wish I lived in Victorian times. You know, or Edwardian times. I sort of quite like living where I am, you know. And uh, in my generation, I've had to face the biggest revolution in society since the Industrial Revolution. It's true. It's the Digital Revolution. I know some of you still don't think I can send an email, but it's not true. It's not true. We've had to embrace all this before our eyes. I see little kids now say, shh. Yeah. I've had people say to me with spiritual, their spiritual face on, oh, I wish I'd lived in the days of Jesus. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit was shed forth in the earth to make Jesus as real to you in 2018 as if you'd lived when he was alive. It's true. It's true. Five or six years ago, Sharon and me had the joy as part of a team to go to Israel. I'm not saying you shouldn't go, it's great. But the reality is, friends, this morning, here's the wonderful truth in the power of the Spirit of God in the earth. He can be as real in his presence in Ilkeston this morning as he is in that incredible religious city, holy city called Jerusalem. And so perfectly timed. Don't be forever thinking, I wish I lived back there. I wish I lived back there. I wish I was somebody else. You are you and in the sovereign purpose of God as part of the 7.2 billion people on the earth in 2018, you're here now to make a difference for God. And the best thing you can do is serve your purpose in this generation. Esther 4.14 Don't you know that you were called to the kingdom for such a time as this? The days in which we live are challenging. They're forever changing. That Bob Dylan song was almost prophetic. They're perplexing. I don't get things about the, you know, I mean, at times, you know. I mean, Josh got up on Tuesday with all in his shirt and it was cool, you know. (laughs) If I'd have done that, my mum would have killed me, you know. But listen, it's a time of opportunity. It's a time for blessing to be realized. Come next week. Come in faith. Come prepared. Come with an open heart. As you've heard, don't come under uh, a false pressure, but come to receive from the lead pastor of the church the vision casting direction for us to give into the 2020 vision it simply has four major planks planting more churches blessing more people training more leaders partnering with more global initiatives why wouldn't we want to be part of something like that and simply it looks for a heart response for us remembered for what I wonder if people down the years, should Jesus tarry, can roll into Arena Church beyond the back of what we've done 
And you say, you know what? Those people in Arena Church, they serve God's purpose in their generation. Nothing beats that. Let's pray.